The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. We are hitting uh, the time of the year where the standings start to matter. Uh, They start to mean something. And I'm still very, very, very confused by some of what I'm seeing. Um, not I was, just, I was just glancing at them myself, so yeah, and wow. I mean, we have a team who no one expected, no one outside of their region expected to make the playoffs, who somehow has, in what is it, 18 games, a plus 28 goal differential? Uh, if you're talking about who you think, it's plus 26, but I, I thought it was an 8, it's a 6. I see. Uh, that's literally ridiculous. Well, considering, I mean, when I mean, percentage points percentage wise, they are second behind only Boston. They have actually leapfrogged over Vegas for second in the NHL, uh, and Vegas has a plus twenty one goal differential. But for the New Jersey Devils to be where they are is, yeah, a bit of a surprise, I would have to say. Especially when it pushes out team, especially when it pushes out teams such as Florida Panthers, Pittsburgh Penguins. I mean, you start discounting, okay, Washington is down in like seventh, so maybe they aren't what they used to be. Um, Well, Washington, Washington we knew was going to struggle. One, they're well into hockey old. And two, they started the year with a few players uh, who are key to them injured. I, I'm I'm probably more shocked that the Rangers are the last the last playoff team in the East than I am that the Devils are first in the Atlantic. Detroit's ahead of them. Detroit's ahead of them. Like ahead of the Rangers, I mean. Detroit is, in fact, ahead of the Rangers, and that's all sorts of weird. And I think that I'm guessing that's based on points percentage because they have the same number of points, they have the same number of wins. They do have a higher points percentage uh, having played one less game. So Uh, they have the same number of regulation wins and regulation or overtime wins. Yeah. So I'm guessing that points percentage must be the tiebreaker there that puts them in the first wild card spot. But still the fact that you've got Devils and Detroit in the playoffs and Florida not at the moment. I mean Florida's the only one outside the playoffs that is shocking. I mean I knew Kachuk going in in place of Huberdo was going to be a big chemistry change because that's just i mean matthew kachuk is just a huge personality on and off the ice yes he's he's more than we ever saw out of huberdo oh yeah well yeah from from that standpoint he is mountains larger than huberdo as far as just presence but the other factor is that it was three players going out and really only one coming back in that trade. 
and that means that there's a lot of adjustments that need to be made across the ice. Um, I the the kicker I, there is that I mean if you want to if you want to compare one to the other, yes, three players went out: Huberto, Mackenzie Wegar, who both got big deals, big extensions. The third one was a, a non-roster player, a, a prospect, Cole uh, Schwint, something like that, center. Yep. Um, but you look at the standings, and both teams are actually in the same predicament. They're both one spot out of a playoff, out of the playoffs. Now, I genuinely expect both teams to actually make the playoffs. So I think anyone hitting the panic button for Florida or uh, Calgary today is just in need of, I don't know, maybe they're in need of the uh, tryptophan dose that is coming this Thursday. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, there's, there's no panic on this. And I'm not I'm not saying that it's time to push a button. I'm just saying that the trade has affected both teams in similar fashion. I mean, for Calgary, there's a little more going on. They also lost Johnny, uh, Johnny Goudreau. Yeah, um, some would Columbus. say unexpectedly, some would say they were stabbed in the back. Yeah, well, um, Calgary, Calgary fans say they were stabbed in the back. And when you look at the trade, uh, you know, Kachuk had a career. What everyone was saying was a career year last year. He's probably never going to do it again. You were hearing from some people because he went from a previous high of 77 points in 80 games to 104 points in 82. And look at them now, 24 points through the first uh, through the first 16 and a plus nine to go along with it. Um, kind of hard to kind of hard to say that he's uh, he's the issue. Um And when you look over at the Calgary Flames, um, yes, I don't know I that. At, Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say when I look at Calgary, I'm looking at I'm looking at a team that yes, they lost a prolific goal scorer in Goudreau. I'm not quite ready to say he's a great 200 foot player because I don't think he's that great in his own zone. Does he have to be? On on the team as it was constructed, I didn't think he had to be. Um, but because it, I mean, you look at it, and, and that was going to be my one question before we get off this topic. My one question is how much of an effect was Goudreau having in Calgary? If you look at the fact that he went and signed the big deal with Columbus and they're sitting <clears throat> close to dead last, uh, so he hasn't exactly had the effect or the expected effect on Columbus. Columbus is a horrible team. You could have added, you could have added Ovechkin or Crosby to that team this season, and their stand, their place in the standings wouldn't be moved by more than three or four points. Fair enough. Um, I think he went and cashed in. Plain and simple, he went for the money. That's what that's what I was going for. He he moved for the cat, and that's why Calgary fans feel a little bit um, <clears throat> put upon, shall we say? Now, if you look at what the Flames are doing, 
Yes. Huberto is being outproduced by a significant margin. In fact, not well. Well, the situations are clearly not the same. Kachuk has more points right now than Wegar and Huberto put together. Yeah. Um, that's probably something that, and it probably is a little bit harder for a center to adjust to entirely new line mates than for a winger. Um, but I mean, for, for both of them, they're dealing with new systems. I, I have seen both Kachuk's play. I've seen both Kachuk's interview. I genuinely firmly believe, and this is probably going to make some heads explode in the uh, Los Angeles area, but uh-huh. I genuinely firmly believe that Matthew Kachuk does not get enough credit for being a cerebral player. <laughs> like, legit, I think that as much as he loves the physicality, loves stirring the pot, he legit gets hockey systems hockey and synergizing with the players around him, not just through organic trial and method, but through systematic study. And I think that assuming it's real is why he's producing so well at, or even possibly above the level that he did last year on a new team in a new city where he doesn't know where he didn't know many players when he got there. I, 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 I think the, I think the phrase knew so many, but I, I, I think the NHL as a brotherhood, the players know each other. I think it's more of a, and I think this is what you're going for is knowing them as far as, on ice tendencies and chemistry and because I mean, they all yes. know each other. I mean, it, it, uh, I think that, I think that players are much more, I think that players probably know guys who they played in the same feeder league with, whether it was NCAA or they played in the USHL or they played in, uh, you know, the OHL or the dub, but I don't, know how much you know a Calgary Flames player who runs into a New Jersey Devils player uh, in Vegas in the offseason is going to sit down and have a beer with them. Okay, fair enough. No, I I hadn't thought it that far through, but yeah, that makes sense. I'm just, Um, I'm looking at I'm looking at other reasons why and one of the other reasons I'm looking is I'm thinking that maybe Calgary's defense isn't as <clears throat> solid as, as I, as I was hoping their goaltending is struggling. I mean, the goals against number is high. And as you say, it's a, you know, that's more of a team stat. And if that's the case, then it would explain a lot, but their save percentages, neither one of them is over 90 in Calgary. They're, so they're significantly below 90 and that's terrifying. Considering, yeah, I mean, it, if if the Bruins and I haven't seen the Bruins play Florida, they'll they'll actually be playing this week. The Bruins have the dreaded Florida trip this week. 
where they're hitting both Tampa Bay and the Panthers. Yep. And it'll be easier to compare. For me, having a common opponent, it'll be easier for me to compare Florida versus Calgary. But the way that Calgary played Boston, they seemed very strong until the first or second goal went in the net. And then they seemed to kind of crumble. Because Vladar was keeping them in that game. He was. And I I don't think you can blame <coughs> either goaltender for what's going on with the Flames. Because Vladar kept playing at the same level after the first goal. Yes. I can't say the same thing for the rest of the team. Uh, agreed. That- and I'm not... I'm not sitting here trying to bury the Calgary Flames. You know, I I've been a Flames fan uh, since Jerome McGinley was a young player, and I I genuinely like the franchise. I think that they do a high percentage of stuff right, uh, or at least a high enough percentage of stuff right to be consistently enjoyable hockey. Um, I like the pitch from that team. <laughs> Uh, and they look like they're trying to build a modern winning team, unlike certain franchises who keep running back 1984. <laughs> okay. And I'm not talking about the book. Uh, um, a good read, by the way, in case anybody's interested and hasn't actually read it as like a school assignment. <laughs> yes, it's terrifying once you take that and Animal Farm and a brave new world and start comparing them to what you see in the news and other infotainment outlets. <laughs> we could do another whole podcast just on books, I suppose. But we could do a whole podcast I mean, on. Would, would it be wrong for the Bruins to have two guys with the same last name who aren't related? No. I think they have in the past. I want to say they had two Sweeney's who weren't closely related this is true they had bob sweeney and don sweeney and they're not related at all considering one was brunette one was a redhead but anyway um but if we could pinch elias lindholm that would be a very happy man <laughs> elias lindholm would would be a nice addition i i don't know how many austin bruins fans would end up crying depending on the price although given that they're they are both Swedish, aren't they? Yes. I'm willing to bet that even if they're not directly related, you can probably find a connection within four or five generations. Either way, I don't know. I'm just saying that I, 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 the idea behind the statement was I would like to see Elias Lindholm on the Bruins. But anyway. Yes. <laughs> um, but there's there's also the fact that there's a lot of new players on that team because remember Nazem Kadri wasn't there last year. By the way, second uh, second on the team in points. Um, you've got a couple of other players. I I don't recall that Coleman was there last year. I could be wrong. Um, Tyler Toffoli came in late last year. And did, yeah, wasn't and, he a deadline acquisition? Hey, he was right around the deadline. He played – actually, yeah, it says he played 37 games, so maybe a little bit before. Um, so he's still a relatively new face there. Uh, we talked about Vladar. We talked about Uyghur, um, 
Uh, wasn't Noah Hanavan traded back there this offseason, or was that Lindholm? I know one of them. Had- Neither one. They were both. They were both in the same trade to get Dougie Hamilton to Cal to Carolina. Okay. They both, they've both been there a little while now. I thought they had a trade with. Um, I could have sworn they had a trade with Carolina in the offseason. It's possible, but it didn't involve those two. Oh, well, I'll have to I look it up remember. later because. Yes, I don't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, it, I mean, I understand they've had some roster turnover there, and and that's why I'm. I think that they will bounce back, and I think they will. They're not going to be the same team they were last year or the year before, but I think they are going to eke their way into the playoffs, maybe as either a wild card or, you know, six position, something to that effect. <clears throat> I think that that's going to require whatever is ailing the goaltenders, uh, that's going to require some sort of a, a head shakeup. Uh, or they're going to need to do something about the defense in front of the goaltenders, but I think they can still make it into the playoffs. Absolutely. It's Um, a huge die. I mean, Florida, yes, I completely agree. I think Florida, especially Spencer Knight, is starting to play better. He's actually outperforming Bobrovsky at this point. Hey, I've said Florida is where Russian players go to die, or at least their careers. (laughs) And I mean it. Yeah, um, wasn't 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 Luong? Uh, no, he's not Russian though. No, he's he not. Bob, Bobby Lou was there, and now he's going in the Hall of Fame. Wasn't he there? Yeah, he was. There. Uh, I believe Luongo. Yeah, Luongo was in Florida for a for a good stretch. He actually led when he was inducted. I believe he led both um, the Canucks and the Caps uh, and the Cats in. Uh, in all-time wins or all-time games played yeah, uh, for a goaltender, which that's a big statement. That's a lot of a lot of games on one goaltender's body. Um, I'm just sort of bemused that a guy who never won a cup, never won a Vesna, got in. And um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I guess I don't hate. That he got in. I guess it's just statistical. I mean, I I understand that. Yeah, there's not a there's not a whole lot of individual stats to back up the uh, to back up the the election of Luongo and the fact that his he one, went in Jennings though his one attempt at Jennings. I thought Jennings was more of a goalie tandem. Award. It is. I mean, it does help that he's from Montreal, so you automatically got some of the voting there. <laughs> okay. I didn't. I was, not, I was not aware that where you are from directly affected uh, the outcome of getting into the Hall of Fame. But yeah, looking at it, Hall of Fame, two-time All-Star, 2011 Jennings. Yeah, there's not a whole lot there. And I mean, internationally is probably where the big case is made. Um, IIHF World uh, Championship goaltender twice, but uh, gold even, medalist uh, there, World then, World Cup champion, and two-time Winter Olympic gold medal. I guess based on that, you can put him in. 
you could put okay, so the International Hockey Hall of Fame I get, but we're talking about the NHL Hall of Fame. Well, it's the Hockey Hall of Fame. It just happens to be. Had, in I thought they had different ones though, because there's a U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame. There's the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame, and there's the one in in uh, Ottawa, Toronto. That the one in Toronto. The, the one in Toronto is the NHL. I thought it was the NHL Hall of Fame, but okay. Six to one, half dozen to I mean, the guy played a considerably long time. I mean, when you've got 19-year career, you've got 1,044 games, 614 starts. Your numbers, I mean, that's the thing is you look at his numbers. He had like a, a career 919 save percentage. Not yeah. terrible, but not. I mean, it's better it's it's certainly better than anyone at the beginning of his career ever had like by far the thing is he wasn't much of a i mean if you compare and and i don't want to dive too deep but if you compare his regular season to his playoff performance his playoff performance he had a 919 regular season 918 playoffs 252 goals against regular season 249 playoffs the guy was, if nothing else, consistent. Yeah, I, I, my honestly, my biggest thing for bringing up uh, Luongo. Yeah. If he, based on his largely international play, yeah, can be put into the Hall of Fame. Where's Thomas? Tim Thomas won a cup. Tim Thomas won two Vesnas. Um, he won a Conn Smythe. He won. He won an SB for best NHL player, an SB for best championship performance. He's already in the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame. He holds the most records for saves by a goaltender in a playoff run, most saves by a goaltender in a Stanley Cup Final Series, uh, best save percentage international play for SM Liga. With at least a hundred games played, with a 937, um, EC all ECAC hockey rookie team 93-94, all ECAC hockey first team 94-95-95-96, all uh, ACH AHCA East second team all star all American sorry 94-95, mm-hmm. AHCA uh, East first team all American 95-96. SM Liga, uh, Best Goaltender Award in 98. Um, Pen Kierber Award, Best Player. Best Player as voted by the players in 2005. Um, and then the Lassie Ogunson Trophy for Best Player in 2005. Uh, best, uh, he was the first Euro- non-European player to win that award. Um, also yeah. had a Jennings uh Yes, he had actually he had a Jennings, two Vesnas. Jennings, two Vesnas, Conn Smythe. Um, time All-Star, and he's got a cup. But here, I'll help you out a little bit. So in his nine-year career, and maybe that's what their issue is, I don't know, but in his nine-year career, his goals against average regular season, same as Bobby Lou, 2.52. Save percentage, slightly a tick better at 9.20 than Bobby's 9.19. Get to the playoff. playoff. Get to the playoffs. Now, he's played 19 less playoff games. Bobby Lou was in 70. Tim Thomas had 51. Tim Thomas ups his game 
to the tune of 933 save percentage and a 2.08 goals against. So Bobby Lou may be consistent. Tim Thomas upped his game, and by up, I mean way up. Better than better than one tenth of a percent. Better than, uh, and he dropped it by almost half a half a goal per game. And yeah. you go back and look at that playoff at the Cup run. That was all against top ten offenses in the league. A nine, did you realize he had a 940 save percentage that year? 940. And yeah. his goals against? Oh, wait, 1.98. Which, by the way, is not his best playoff performance because in the 2008 9 season, he had a 935 save percentage, but he had a 1.85 goals against. Yeah, and you, I mean, even it, it, we talk about the international play for Joker in that uh, 04 05 season 183 save percentage, 938, uh, 183 goals against, 938 save percentage. That was the lockout year. There were a lot, a lot of North American players uh, in, in Europe. And. I'm going to tell you why he's not in the hall, and I'm going to tell you why he's not in that Hall of Fame. But we're not going down the rabbit hole. He's not in that Hall. He's not in that Hall of Fame because his butt didn't show up at the at the White House. He's he, he you know it's a political crap, and that's all I'm saying. I don't disagree, and I. We talked about this at the time in it's, our blogs and everything else, and oh we yeah. got the same birthday as my dad too. Um, <laughs> we can jump into the stuff that we actually had on the board for today. Oh, okay, um, let's do that. Moving, moving to from two goaltenders to a third, because why not? Um, I, but I love goalie talk, and it's keeping me from talking about the one that I'm most happy. Yeah, just touch. <laughs> that player's gotten more minutes uh, on the show this year than anyone else, and that's saying something. Um, a person I haven't, whose name I haven't said in some time. Uh, Honestly, I thought the last time he was relevant was when he was with Colorado, but go ahead. <laughs> has uh, reemerged and was on TV the other day. Scott Darling, uh, former goaltender. Uh, he's been around the league. Uh, I want to say he played for four or five different teams. Yeah, including the Chicago Blackhawks, including the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, looks like I believe he played for the. Didn't he play for the Hurricanes as well? Uh, yes. I don't think that his time with the Hurricanes was, uh... Particularly fruitful? Yeah, his save percentage with the Hurricanes was a dismal 887 at the end of his... But Scott Darling on on the telly the other day, and he's talking about 
the first team that he put onto his no trade <coughs> no trade clause when he signed his deal. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, I didn't see any other didn't see anything else from him. The clip is the clip was retweeted by NBC S uh, Blackhawks. Uh, it's I was going to say, make sure you say where the clip was because it affects it affects oh, yeah. the it's, team that he's. It directly affects the team that he's talking about when he says he didn't want to. Yeah, absolutely. It's the uh, Blackhawks talk Twitter, um, and the quote is. It's the worst city in the country, worst place to play, and was the first team on my no-trade clause agreement. He is, of course, talking about St. Louis. Which is why Chicago matters, because, oh, wait, Central Division. (laughs) Um, Now, St. Louis has issues. It's got enormous issues, like went water bad issues in certain regards. Well, they haven't they haven't been right since they lost Petrangelo, but <laughs> I, no, I'm talking about the city itself. Uh, the team oh, okay. is the team is a different matter. Um, well, they they are in the wild card. They got the second position in the wild card, so that's not going to last. No, I don't think so either. But um, I but that's you don't hear players say. Uh, what teams are on their list very often. But I'm always fascinated when people blast particular cities. Now, roll it back uh, close to a decade. He's only got two NHL teams. I thought he was in more than that. Emerson Edom, I believe it was, said he didn't want to play in Buffalo and called it the worst city in America. And people jumped all over him. Like, he was dragged and brutalized in in the media, on Twitter, everywhere else mm-hmm. for weeks and months. And guess what? We're never going to hear about the Scott Darling take again. No. And he actually never played when he was in Colorado? I know he was traded to Colorado. But he never actually played for them. Apparently, he only actually played for two NHL teams, Chicago and Carolina. Like, actually appeared in games. He may have sat on the bench as a backup. Same thing with, like I said, Colorado. But he never actually got into a game. So, two teams in in his NHL career. Five years. Which, unfortunately, is what a lot of people are going to say when they hear this comment. They're going to be like, oh, it's sour grapes from a guy who only played five seasons in the NHL, blah, blah, blah. Mm, That's five seasons more than you probably played. Agreed. And, you know, in his his best couple of seasons, those first three years in Chicago, he put up solid numbers. Uh, three years in Chicago, he finished there with a 2.37 goals against 2.37, and a save percentage of 9.23. Nothing to complain about there in Chicago. I mean, not it's right around that 80 game mark, so it's not a huge number of games, but it's still you can only play the amount of time you're given. 40 40 out of 75 starts were quality starts, 62 percent, 62 and a half percent. That's pretty high. I don't have I don't have a problem with his numbers in Chicago. 
yes, it wasn't a lot of games. It was 75 games, but started 64 of them. Yeah, I don't have a problem with his numbers in Chicago. His numbers in Carolina were, and I think at the time Carolina was, but. Yeah, that was just when uh, Brenda Moore was uh, beginning to take over. But man, has this guy played in a lot of places. Austria, AHL, NHL, ECHL. Um, (laughs) He played for the Wichita Thunder of the CHL. Um, He played for the Southern Professional Hockey League, two different teams. He played for University of Maine uh, for two seasons. He played for the Indiana Ice of the USHL, the Capital District Selects of the EJHL, um, and then for the North Iowa Outlaws of the NAHL. Um, I would love to see his jersey collection. It wasn't Colorado, it was Florida. He was traded to Florida with with um a pick for James Reimer. Okay. I thought I could have swore he was in Colorado for some reason. But anyway, I apologize, I was incorrect. I see. We can never trust you again. Ever, ever, ever. I know. I know. It's terrible. But still, numbers I, I did. It's just funny that he's coming out and saying this about St. Louis. I mean, has St. Louis given – is he commenting specifically on the city? I mean, he did mention the organization. So is he just saying that St. Louis is terrible and he, he never wants to go to St. Louis, or is he saying specifically the blues? I kind of got a mixed message in his it video. It sounded more like the city than the team. Yeah. Um. So we were – Robbed by COVID. Of a lot of things, yeah. Uh, A lot of hockey, hockey, that's for sure. A lot of hockey, and that's where I'm going. Uh, Because NHL Public Relations tweeted out a couple of days ago that in 182 games played, Mm -hmm. uh, Jack Hughes... Uh, is the fifth fastest in Devils franchise history to reach uh, his 50th NHL goal. He's actually just, uh, he's about, uh, well, 120 days behind Nico Heischer. And I think both of them would have managed it a little bit faster had, uh, well, COVID was just coming along when Heischer... Uh, when he sure hit his, but I, I genuinely think that Jack Hughes would probably have done it a whole lot sooner had we not effectively lost 120 games, several months. I would like uh, to see the list of names because I, 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 if you look at the tweet, it shows the five, it shows the four players that did it faster than him. I would like to see the names of those that he was faster than. Because, I mean, two of the names I, uh, I mean, Nico, he's your teammate, but two of the names I recognize, I don't recognize Wilf Pyman. 1976, I was very young then. But Kirk Muller and Brendan Shanahan are two of the four. And then obviously, like I said, Nico, he's here. I'm not surprised that he hit the number so quickly. 
yes, it would have been quicker had we not been robbed of all of those games that were lost due to the pause. I just, I, I, I guess the question is, what's the ceiling? I mean, somebody commented Jack Hughes is elite. Do we, is he, is he elite yet? Depends on who, on who you're allowing to set the definition for elite. As is always the case. I mean, right now, I mean, statistically, you could make the you could make a very real case for every NHL player being elite. I compared to all the colleges, all the other lower leagues, the ECHL, the KHL, Swedish Hockey League, and wherever else you want to talk about hockey being played. Mm-hmm. You could make the case that yes, the seven to nine hundred NHL players are in fact elite. Okay. Um, I don't particularly like that definition. Uh, I am willing to listen to people because it's largely amusing and not very harmful. Um, but if you look at the league's points standings, I. I'm not there yet. No, I'm not there yet either. I no. mean, the, the team is doing fabulous, but it's... You could make the case that Jesper Bratt, he's elite. He's tied uh, for 12th in scoring. Um, he's at 1.22 points per game. Um, you know, Tage Thompson, Elias Pettersson, Marty Natchez, uh, Rupe Hintz, uh, Dylan Larkin, Artemi Panarin, Mitch Marner, Jack Eichel, all at that same point total uh, so far this season. Um, I don't... I want to see Hughes there. Um, he's oh, yeah, over no, no, point I... per game. If you, okay, if you want to set the bar at something not particularly arbitrary... Um, and you want to go with anyone over a point per game is a, an elite player. I think that that's probably lower than I'm actually comfortable with. But I won't say it's wrong to go there. By that definition, where he's at 1.06 points per game, yes, he's absolutely elite. And I don't feel the urge to argue with him. But at the same time, so is Kevin Hayes. He is at one point. He has at exactly one point per game and is the 55th best scorer in the league at this point. Uh, Kevin uh, Hampus Lindholm, same level, one uh, one point even. Um, he's the best defenseman in the NHL right now. And just below that, you have Anders Lee and Chandler Stevenson, both at .95 per game before there's a, a noticeable points drop-off. Uh, among those guys who are pretty high up on the list. Uh, I mean, Jake Gensel is at 1.21 points per game. You know, both of us have talked about him endlessly (laughs) for half a decade. Um, And Tim Stutzla is at one point per game. I mean, the the screw job is is pretty much the topic when it comes to Gensel. (laughs) 
Um, so if you if you want to set it at one point per game, yeah, sure. Jack Hughes elite. The thing is, I don't know on, let's go for it. Um, we'll use that. I don't know if you can do that anymore. Because I I mean, like being in grade school, Connor McDavid throws off the curve. Unfortunately. Even he's only at 1.89 points per game. Uh, only, only, yeah. I mean, Dreisaitl second with 1.67. There is somebody in between, but he's only played in seven games this season. That's Valerie Nichushkin, who, by the way, had himself a very good Stanley Cup playoffs last season. Yeah. And if you look at his team, and, and what is it with the West? You got McDavid, Dreisaitl, Nichushkin, McKinnon, and Rantanen all in the top five. It's that the teams out West are generally garbage. Ah. The first non-Western conference player, six, David Pasternak, 1.56 points per game. Just saying. I, I, I don't necessarily consider him elite yet. He, he can get there. I think he has the talent. I just don't think he's there yet. But I am very happy that he's hit 50. It's funny that the tweet says that, you know, the, the last one to do it in less games than him was uh, a guy who unfortunately took the money and ran to Minnesota. And then Zach Parisa. Yes. And then fell apart and was traded to the Islanders where he hasn't shown up yet. Let's just put it out on the table. Yeah. Zach Parisi's body hit hockey old. Yes. And there's no coming back from that. Agreed. It's not like Nick Foligno, who got broken and injured and is having that bounce back season because he's. Wow. Yes. How good is Nick Foligno this year? (laughs) Nick Foligno, if it weren't for Hampus Lindholm or Connor Clifton, should get the seventh player award in Boston. I agree. And I'm still going to start the Connor Clifton for seventh player award. I think I started it last week, actually, but yeah. <laughs> so are we segueing to some milestones since we talked about Jack's milestone? We can, we can jump to a milestone and uh, why don't we talk a 1000th game for Alex Goligoski? We've been talking about this guy forever. He was back with Dallas. Alex Goligoski has been one of the, in my very humble opinion, most overlooked defensemen in the league his entire career. He was definitely overlooked in Dallas because they had some guy named Klingberg at the time. No one even knew who he was when he was in Pittsburgh, except for, well, Maybe the people in Pittsburgh. Maybe. I think but there I, were. I think there were a few other people who knew who he was. But 04 draft pick, 61st overall, mm-hmm. plays playing in his thousandth game where he's with Minnesota. Uh, he this is his second season there now. He was there 72 games. Uh, played 72 games last year. Ended with a plus 41, the highest of his career. Um, which, so he's still doing it at a pretty solid to high level. 
Um, when you look at that team, and remember that I always say that a plus-minus is really only good for comparison against teammates and maybe players in the same division. Uh, the next highest plus-minus mm-hmm. is a guy who's been there forever and will probably be there forever and is one of the is possibly the prototype for a very successful small NHL player, uh, Jared Spurgeon. Um, and Jared Spurgeon did, had a very, very not shabby uh, plus, what was it, 32? So Goligoski in his first full season, or his first season there, came in plus 41 in 72 games uh, for a team that wasn't a world beater. I think my question is where he's only appeared in six this season. Is it because he's injured or are they really? I believe he was injured at some point uh, this year. Okay. I was going to say, because if a guy who produces like that and yet this year you're scratching him, coach's decision wouldn't make sense to me. Uh, I don't see Billy G allowing that sort of dumb to creep into the organization, but (laughs) Good point. So it's overtime. And Goligoski absolutely embarrasses the opposition Mm -hmm. on his way to roofing a shot that looks like it came off of a 40-goal score. It it was a great, great shot and just a good thing to see. Like I said, we've been talking about him for quite a while now. Um, for those curious, uh, yes, he is, is, I want to, did he sign a three-year contract when he landed there? Landed where, Minnesota? I believe so, because it was, he was still before his 35th birthday. Or he was, um, no. no. Two-year, because he might have been right around his 35th. Um, actually, that clause was eliminated in the current, um, in the current CBA that you could only sign one year contracts. Cause he did sign a plus 35 contract. Um, and it was for two years for this year and next year. Yeah. Uh, you can, well, the way I understand it, I thought in the current CBA, I thought the way it was, was 35, uh, a 35 plus contract could be the one or two years. And basically if they retire, before it's the cap recapture is still the same though yes yeah and i'm not a real huge cap guy but, but. i am not a cap uh capologist but that's one that stuck out but to me it's just it's at good to, it's good to see him i mean like i said we've been talking about him forever in a day it's good to see him still around at 1000 games still playing at a high level and still scoring important goals Absolutely. Uh, one of his former teammates is going to play in his 1,000th game uh, next. Uh, his next game, uh, or Malkin's next game, will be number 1,000. Uh, so Pittsburgh fans should uh, be attentive. Uh, well, that's a, that. Uh, no, I was going to say that's asking a lot, but. Wow. Wow. Um, well, they focus Malkin, so much. They focus so much on the other guy. Uh huh. That's what you meant, I'm sure. It is what I meant. Uh, literally, That's, not contradicting you. 
that's how that's how players like Gensel get ignored. Hey, whatever smoke you want to blow to cover that one, that's that's okay with me. <laughs> I'm I'm glad Malkin's still around. I mean, there was a time, and I still believe it. I will still say it. There was a time that Crosby would not be Crosby if he did not have Evgeny Malkin. I think Malkin is what allowed Crosby to be Crosby. I, I will I will I will uh, I will ride that one till the wheels fall off. Um, first hat first five six hundred games of their careers. If Malkin showed up and showed out. Anyone else on the ice was secondary. And it might have even been more games than that. Malkin, a healthy Evgeny Malkin, who is keyed in and ready to go, is a better player than Sidney Crosby at peak. Period. I said that 10 years ago. 10 years from now, track me down. I'll probably say it again. Oh, yeah. Um, but congratulations to him. Um, I'm not sure how many more games we'll see out of any of them, but uh, thousand games, nothing. Uh, you can't take any anything away from anyone who makes it that far. No. Jake DeBrusque, the net, the very next shot he takes could be his 100th NHL goal. 100 NHL goals. For a guy who we who ninety eight and a half percent of the fan base was ready to pull the pitchforks and torches out and drive out of town, uh, it was good. It was going to be a scene from Frankenstein. Forget about driving him out of town. It was going to be a scene from Frankenstein. They were ready to set up the pyre and and <laughs> going to be the uh, Salem witch trials all over again. And Something it was to that effect. Yeah, it, it it was just ridiculous. And then um, there was the whole requesting a trade thing, and as soon as oh, it was even before the trade. Oh yeah, no, no, I know. It, 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 but the whole requesting the trade thing that didn't help him. I understand why he did it, and the fact that Mon- the fact well, that it was retracted he, so he, quickly after after hiring Montgomery or after the firing after Cassidy of, was punted. Yeah. Yes. Suddenly, the 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 retraction. I mean, he did sign the extension, but at the time, that was around the trade deadline, and the belief was that he was doing some kind of a sign and trade. So he signs the four-year deal, and then, oh, wait, he wasn't traded. And it and was that, shocking. Yes. That was, I mean, that was, uh, that, that fooled a lot of people, like, when he signed that extension, and it was like, all right, now when's the trade coming? You know, waiting for the other shoe to drop. Never did. And, of course, he was part of that 2015 draft class, which I think has had a negative effect on all of the players. Yes. The negative um, connotations flow from That association is just, yeah. Yeah. Although, realistically, I think you can – even over Carlo, and it's taken a long time to get there, I think you can actually make the case that he's the best of their picks from the 2015 draft. That's something we're going to have to look at later. I was going to say, unfortunately, you can't, you can't make that decision in a vacuum. 
you have to look at the fact that Carlo has spent a lot of time injured. So, yes, I would agree that as of now, Debrusque is probably the best pick in that draft that the Bruins had. I mean, Carlo still has played more games than Debrusque by about by nearly 100. But, yeah, we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. Um, more milestones. Ovechkin is 12 goals behind Gordie Howe. 12. Um, we should see that at the very latest by the end of December. Um, I can't imagine it taking him six weeks to actually score 12 goals. He's going to have like two hat tricks sometime between now and the end of the calendar year uh, easily. So that is, that's a prediction. Two hat tricks between now and the end of the year. I don't think that's a stretch. I'm not saying it is. He has the talent to do it. He has the talent to pull it off. I just, hat tricks, as much as they are an individual stat, hat tricks do take a little bit of A, lock, and B teammates to get there. And I think the teammates is uh, probably the weak point of that of that triangle. Right. Uh, there's a lot of injuries and a lot of old on that team. Um, Patrice Bergeron. 999 points. It's so close. You can taste it. He picked up two last night in a against Chicago. They play again Monday night. Uh, they're playing, I believe, at home. No. The, is that the Florida game? Or No. Oh, okay, you're right. They are playing in Florida. That's the Florida trip, Monday and Wednesday. And then they have the Florida. They're playing. Yeah. Well, it's Tampa. They're playing, and that's. But I, I fully expect him to get that point uh, against the Lightning. Yeah, I can see that. Not because I think the Lightning are terrible or anything, but because I think that he's one, not going to be intimidated. He's just not intimidated by any moment at this point. And two, what's left to intimidate him is the question. He's that, got to have seen it all by now. He, <laughs> I can't think of anything he hasn't seen. He's played with and against Hall of every Hall of Famer. He's played against Jerome McGinley. He's played with Jerome McGinley. He's played with Mark Reckie and against Mark Reckie. He's played against Daniel Alfredson. He's played on lines with um, – at the Olympics, he's played on lines with just about everybody. Um, it, well, yeah. it's, I mean, he's been on a line with Crosby. He's been on – all-star games just and there was a time we never thought he'd make it this far simply because of those injuries Mm -hmm. for him to have played as many games to be ready to cross that thousand points it's it's kind of breathtaking in a way um but the other milestone uh comes from one of my favorite play favorite people in the game (laughs) who also provided us with a marvelous, marvelous soundbite. We'll get John to Tortorella. Oh, JT. 1400th game coached. 1400th. He is the first American-born coach to reach that mark. 
Um, I, I suspect he'll get at least another hundred or so games in uh, as a head coach before uh, he overstays his welcome in the league or just can't do it anymore. Um, and then there's his quote. Now, I have this on our dra- on our show board. Under John Tortorella reminds us that everything is everything. Um, yes, that's reference part to a certain song by a certain former Fuji's member. But everything that's wrong with in-game interviews, and I don't care whether it's with a player or a coach. Are you saying they shouldn't do in-game interviews? <laughs> I am 100,000% saying they shouldn't do in-game interviews. Because even when I love them like this, this is what you should expect. (laughs) Like if more players and coaches did this, they probably would have stopped doing them before they became a standard part of the game. Um, You're asking, you're asking. was asked, so what's going wrong? We suck. Like we haven't or anything. You've given it. What was it? It was Brian Boucher. All right. Set the scene. It was Brian Boucher. Uh, he, and he's asking him, and he said, 15 minutes in, you've given up the first goal. What's go? What's going wrong? Or something to that effect. Dumb question. <laughs> like, John Tortorella is in... He's in John we, Tortorella like, mode. He just time. says, we suck. We haven't done anything to uh, to this point. We have four-checked. We haven't done anything. And Boucher follows it up with... Well, what do you need to do? We need to four check. What do you want to see more of or something like that? <laughs> like, watch the clip. Uh, Bleacher Reports, Open Ice uh, has it. Um, it was tweeted. Uh, it was actually tweeted on November 15th at 8.23 p.m. I could throw a link into the thing. But it's, just, it's every dynamite. reason we love John Tortorella and every reason you have to hate in-game interviews. They just shouldn't happen. They really we shouldn't. Suck. We suck. You want to we interview someone track. during the game, interview a scout, interview a co- interview a general manager. Uh, don't care. Leave I mean, the it, players and coaches to do their jobs. It's John. It, it, it's John Tortorella gold. It, it, it's it, if you sit there and you co- and you like to watch John Tortorella clips, it's Tortorella gold. But yes, it's absolutely. It's a complete. A description, an accurate description of why they should not do in-game interviews. You're asking a coach, you're asking in-game, emotional, you know, emotions are running high and you want him to settle down and couch his answer. It's like, what are you expecting? He's never done that in the past. Boucher had to have known he was going to get some kind of reaction like this. You, you could look at him on the bench before he even puts the headset on. And know that this is going to be one of those times where, even for John Tortorella, he's pretty unfiltered. Yeah. But it's a standard thing they do during games now, so it's going to happen. And I hate it. Yeah. I hate it. I mean, it's not like not they're going to get give too you... far off track. Yeah, yeah, it's not. The Bruins released their retro reverse jerseys. And looking at them on my like on my phone or my laptop, mm-hmm. I don't really like them. 
I really don't. This is that's the one, sad. This is the one with meth bear on it, as they call him? I think that's... Or is it Pooh Bear? The original one was Pooh Bear. The new... The old, old bear is the meth bear, not this one. This is just Pooh.0. Okay. Um... Game action, ice level. They look a lot better than just hanging on a hanging on a rack. I don't know what it is, but like I watched part of the game last night, uh, or parts of the game last night because I was doing other things, and they actually look good. I was shocked. I have no reason to be. I, I've always I, I liked the the big. I, I don't like the one that looks like it was drawn in nineteen. I, I'm just not a fan of that one with the pointy snout and the trying to make the it old look one. Sna- yeah. trying to make it look snarling, but it doesn't. But the one that they have now, the the softer head and you know big head. I do like that one. I I liked it when they first did it. Yeah, I couldn't. But um, there's not a whole lot. It's it's not like what they did. It's not like what they've done in Arizona where they have so many different. You can have the coyote head. You can have the peyote coyote. You can have. I love the peyote coyote. If I moved to Arizona, I would legit buy one. Oh, yeah. In 10 seconds. I completely agree. There's not a whole lot you can do with a classic original six. You, you, You put the B on there. Without the spokes, you put the B on there with the spokes and you put a bear head because a Bruin is a bear. But you can't do too much else to it. It's bad enough that Pittsburgh stole our colors. As much as I hate the fact that Pittsburgh stole our colors, looking at the powder blue uniforms was really nausea inducing. So (laughs) they claim that they did it because they wanted to have a coherent a cohesive color scheme throughout all of their all of all their of franchises the colors because yeah, the Steelers no. the Steelers are, are have black and yellow and, and now the Pittsburgh Penguins um the Pittsburgh Pirates have black and yellow and um, there is no not Pittsburgh yeah I know so I, the Carlson resurrection Oh, yes. I is more than a little shocking. It is I didn't I, I I did not see this coming. Uh because you look at him, you look at um PK Subban, very very similar players, came into the league, got famous uh around the same time. And then they both started having injury issues. And, you know, PK is not playing anymore, which didn't necessarily surprise me. And Eric is. And not only is he playing, I'm glad he's playing he got, out of his tree. I'm glad he got rid of, first of all, I'm glad he got rid of the, the evil magician look. He cut what, the long you, hair. He doesn't have the 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 fu man the, the goatee with the you know, 
with the ha ha with the mustache with kind of curls at the ends and the you you didn't like the fact that he looked like he was modeling for uh, an appearance in uh, Young Justice as Zatara's uh, next opponent or head of her uh, league of uh, rogues. It just, it didn't do anything for me. No, it didn't. But he got he cut it all. He cut off, he cut off the hair. He looks, but you look at. More than that, you look at his numbers, and he's already surpassed 2021, which he he did 22 points in 52 games. He's seven points behind last season, where he had 35 points in 50 games. He's at 28 points in 20 games. Now, as part of this, I guess my first question is, do you attribute part of this to the fact that they got rid of the they got rid of the original Dino? The original what? They got rid of the original Dino. Oh. Defense yeah. name only. <laughs> Burns is no longer there. I think that's part of it. And I, I think, think that I think that's a huge part of it, actually. Because if either of the two of them has seen a retreat in their level of play, it's definitely Burns. Carlson, a lot of it you can attribute to injury. And I I think that in a lot of ways, similar to how Marchand had the offseason surgery and has come back looking better. And we were just talking about him. uh, Felino recovered from the injuries and is looking better. I think I think the shortened seasons in a row. Yeah. I think they genuinely helped Eric Carlson uh, get to a better physical place because he looks better than he has in five or six years. There's evidence. His average time on ice is at its highest level since 2017-18. Yeah. At that point, point he had 26.45 a night. Since then, he's been 24-23, which is still high, don't get me wrong. But he's actually averaging over 25 minutes a night this season. Yeah. So I mean, I, he, I, he just plain looks better. You know what he's not doing, though? He's not hitting as much. He's only got, in 20 games, he's only got nine hits. It's Eric Carlson. That's actually a lot of hits. Yeah. And San yeah. Jose does tend to record them a little generously. A little generously. Um, So, Carlson has been talked about a lot, a lot, a lot. Well, with... with Not just the points, not just looking better, but in terms of potentially being moved by San Jose, because realistically speaking, they're in a rebuild. Or they're getting close to rebuild. And his salary is enormous. They're not going to be able to resign him at that or anything higher and keep him. Um, and even if he plays this way all season long and drags them kicking and screaming into the playoffs, they're, they're just not. They're not. I mean, unfortunately, that team, they have guys with... They have aging guys with bigger with bigger contracts. They're falling into the 
they've, they've fallen into the trap, so to speak. They, they, they did what they had to do to try and, and get to the finish line, and now they're going to pay the price. Because you got guys like Tomas Hurdle still producing, but not at a huge level. He's, he's slightly under a point per game. You got Timo Meyer. So, yeah, and, and Logan Couture is getting older. I, I get it. They're, they're I mean, they've got. To, between dead cap and buyout, they've got about five million there. Um, over two and a half of that belongs to Mr. Brent Burns for this season, next season, oh, goodness. and the season after. So he's still he he's still crushing. He's still San Jose. destroying their cap space, even though he's not there anymore. That was his agent calling to tell me off for uh, talking negatively about <laughs> Mr. Burns. I'm the one who called him the original dino. <laughs> he doesn't have your number, though. Oh, okay. Um, so, but at $11.5 million, I'm sorry, Carlson's contract actually runs four more years. Mm-hmm. They're probably still going to have to retain some salary because he's he is 32. He's not as old as I thought he was, but... Um, He's 32. He'll be 33 before the cup goes up with a May 31st birthday. Um, It's been asked, is he going to be traded? Is he going to be traded? Is he going to be traded? I think that we won't know until some indications of what's happening with next year's cap come out. Uh, If the cap is going to go up by half a million that makes it hard for anyone to acquire him the cap is staying where it is or going down and we haven't actually seen the cap go down um there's no way he's leaving san jose except as a straight buyout and they can't walk i was gonna say can they even afford to do another buyout It, it costs them a fair bit of money to to retain it cost them a fair bit of money to retain Burns. It cost them a fair bit of money to buy out Martin Jones. I mean, I don't know that they can afford to do another buyout or retain a whole lot. I mean, they're, they're going to have if, to retain some. But If they were to buy him out right now, um, it would they would save $8.666 million, but they would have a cap hit. Uh, for the remainder of the contract uh, from this uh, from this buyout of two point one six six million for four years. So yeah, they would save a bunch of space. But I mean for I don't know. I don't know if that's going to work. Mm-hmm. Well uh- as we've discussed this, and, and I know that buyout is one option, but moving him, uh, if you were to ask Elliot Friedman, he speculates that there is a team that could be a suitor for Eric Carlson. Uh, yes, it's the NHL um, reunion tour again. <laughs> the reunion delusion, but go ahead. Uh, so he, according to Friedman, he teased about this on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the Sharks are going to be on on the road and everything. And he, so basically, he believes that Florida, the Panthers, may be a place for Eric Carlson to land. Doesn't make a whole lot of argument as to why. He says Florida is a really skilled offensive team. They've got a lot of money coming off their cap after this year, which does help. They're going to have a bit more flexibility. He fits with them. Not a whole lot of argument from Friedman as to how or why, just he fits with them. I wouldn't hate Florida for, as a destination for him. And I think he does. I mean, he's a great skater, which is what typify, one of the things that typifies Florida, even you don't have to be a fast skater. You just have to be efficient at whatever speed you get to. Um, and he's still hungry. He's not gotten a cup. Um, he, I don't hate that. Some of the speculation that I've seen is him, of course, going back to Ottawa, which I, I don't know. That apparently was, there is another, <clears throat> Another place where Friedman says he could land. And he does make the argument that with Florida, Hornquist has money, uh, buyout money. Keith Yandel has buyout money apparently coming off. So that would help them in acquiring Carlson. However, the other place, and he starts it with a question, how many defensemen does Washington have signed after this year? The correct, answer, the correct answer would be one. That's Your favorite defenseman and mine, excuse me. <clears throat> excuse me. John Carlson. Orlov, Jensen, Van Riemsdyk, and Gustafson are all UFAs. Could you imagine Eric Carlson or Carlson and Carlson dishing to Ovechkin in his pursuit of Gretzky's record? It might just accelerate that a little bit. <laughs> I mean, I... I I don't think it's a terrible idea. I think it's probably better than Ottawa, particularly if I don't think he I don't think he makes sense in Ottawa since Ottawa is trying to rebuild. I mean, to use up all that kind of money and bringing him in. I don't know that he's the right fit for a team that's going in the direction that Ottawa is going. Granted, they have their own issues. We can talk about that later, but. Ottawa is a good 20 minute discussion because there's much going on and we're not, we don't have time for it today. Right. That's what I'm saying. That's what I said later. I didn't say today later. I just said later. I just don't think that Carlson's the right fit to go to Ottawa at this point in time, but on a team that has other veterans, such as a Washington, such as a Florida, those two places make sense. I didn't know that Florida had as much money coming off the books as they do. But if they have that kind of money coming off the books that they can fit him in, sure. I just didn't think they could with bringing in Kachuk and everything else. Washington makes sense to me because, yeah, if they've got all these defensemen, they can bring in a Carlson, have him Carlson and Carlson. You can fit second and third pairing defensemen in there without spend without overspending. They also have a lot of forwards coming off the books too. I mean, Eller, UFA, mm-hmm. uh, Garnet Hathaway, uh, Connor Sheary, uh, Marcus Johansson, Nicholas Abel, 
Amu Cabal, whose name I butcher every time. <laughs> so it's not it's not undoable. Uh, but where he has a no movement clause, he has all the leverage. Yes, that's the last point I was going to make was that he does have a no movement clause, so he's going to be directing this lovely little play. But I, I, I don't disagree. I think San Jose, I think that they need to move him. They need to start their – they don't seem to be making any inroads in starting this rebuild. You've still got Meyer. You've still got Couture. You've still got Hurdle. You've still got – I think the window, if it's still open, the window is only open about an inch. For trading Carlson or for? For what they have now to go anywhere. I mean, they're second to last in the West. Yeah, I I don't see them going far. They need to start, as you like to say, they need to start the, um, the implosion procedures now. The big boom. Yeah, the earth-shattering kaboom is probably... Earth-shattering kaboom. There it is. Several years overdue. That would be... Uh, yeah. Now, with that, with the speculation on trade of Carlson... Mm-hmm. And certain other players who will be in the news a lot this year... Yeah. Uh, I did put up a tweet, uh, Twitter poll earlier today... Asking this question, and we'll have the answers for next week's show. Um, <clears throat> who do you think is more likely to be traded this season, Eric Carlson of the Sharks or Patrick Kane of the Blackhawks? Uh, right now, it's a it's a fairly large gap um, in the poll, but that poll will be pinned to at Puck Sage, um, and Chris will probably remember to get it into the show description. Yeah. Um, I do want to hear from people on this one. Drop us an email. Um, leave a comment. Uh, it's two man four check uh, dot podbean dot com. Um, hit uh, my DMs tend to be open. Uh, would love to hear it. Uh, my DMs are also open uh, at the Offwing, and certainly you can comment there as well. Um, is this, and I have not looked at the poll question as it is worded, is it worded who will be traded first or who will be traded? Uh, who is more likely to be traded? Okay. That's a different question. Okay. It is. Um, I <laughs> I think it's possible that both are traded. That's, I, why, what, that's why I was going for That's what I was going for, yeah. I, I think that one is less likely than the other. Um but it's going to come down to who gets desperate just before the deadline. Um, yes, deadline. Something we're going to keep an eye on this week is the whole DJ Smith uh, saga. Because that team should be better, and we'll talk about him next week. I was going to say, this one crept up on me, and it and it's part of the reason why I, I foreshadowed the whole we can talk about other issues with Ottawa later. Because I didn't see the, I, I I shouldn't say I didn't see this one coming. I didn't see that it was going to be directed solely at him. But the more I read about it, I think it might make sense. But I want to take a minute uh, to talk about 
Brady Kachuk. He's 23 years old, 24 years old. What's his captain of the team? What's his, his fourth year in the league now? Something like that. And he go. He went out of his way to stand up for his coach. Um, for him, that, that's what he should be doing. I mean. Is this and my question there, and I may even put this up in a trade in a tweet for a Twitter poll for later in the week. Kuchuk says, uh, and this is via Ian Mendez. Um, Kuchuk added that they're sick and tired of the negativity tossed at DJ Smith on social media. Um, here's the money quote. There's nobody to blame but ourselves as players. It's my job to get everyone ready. It's not one person. It's a group in here that needs to figure it out. Between this and what we've seen from his brother, <coughs> is the cat out of the bag about these two being heady players and actually thinking men's players? I'd be because inclined to. I, I, I never. I was never one to think that their father was just all vim and vigor and and and, and a meathead. Yeah, I, I, the man was highly talented. Scores, score goals. Yes, he was physical. So, so, so are his sons. They obviously learned from dad the best way to go about things as far as physicality on the ice. I think that the yes, I think that there is much more to their mental game than we are led to believe. And I firmly believe that, and I believe that about his da- about their dad too. So here's the money question: um, Is this the is this the ownership slash general manager vote of confidence where we can now set the countdown? On on Smith being fired because is there going to be one of those player meetings where a couple of weeks in the next couple of days where someone comes out and talks to upper management and says, "Yeah, the guys just don't want to listen to him anymore," and the coach gets booted because things aren't going the way that anyone wants them. When you look at the team's underlying stat, basic stats, their power, their penalty kill is 18th in the league. Their pen, their power play is 14th, and they're 30th overall uh, in the league. The, the penalty kill and the power play aren't broken. They're not great. But the 30th overall with, like, mediocre stats, that, in some ways, that screams lack of direction. Um, but looking at the roster overall... I'm not sure I want to blame the coach. I want to watch a few more games. I want to see what's happening on the ice. And and I go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and that's my issue with this whole thing. Play, unfortunately, player driven league. They, they have the huge contracts. They, the owners, the GMs aren't going to get rid of them, so they get rid of the the next best thing, which is it's easier to replace the head coach than it is to replace players. You can't. I mean, but I don't I don't buy into that. I mean, 
it, it was like firing Julia in the middle of a season. It didn't make sense. That was dumb, and I will never, ever get around it. I just, but here's – when you look at their goaltending, Cam Talbot, who has spent a couple of – who has spent a little bit of time on the shelf, 924 save percentage. Yep. Uh, but even in those games, they were one and three in the six games that he in the six games that he played uh, and four games that he started. One and three. Um, you know, a nine a two point four two save uh, goals against average in those six games, but um, and four starts, and then for Anton Forsberg, twelve games, uh, twelve starts, they're four and seven. He's got a three fifty one goals against and a 901 save percentage. I think the goals against average could definitely be better for either one of them, but his uh, Forsberg save percentage, nothing to write home about, but not completely terrible. I think certainly. Oh, sorry. Go. No, I, I think their game against the Bruins was kind of like a microcosm of the season. They won the game. Yes. They won it seven to five. They had to literally outscore the Bruins to win, not just score a couple of goals and hold them back. They had to outscore the Bruins, who are averaging or on the plus side of four goals a game. Yeah. Or I mean, this, this team has three players at or above a point per game. Brady Kachuk, Claude Giroux, and Tim Stutzla. Debrinket's pretty much Debrinket and Batherson are right there, fourteen game, fourteen points in seventeen games. I think this. I don't love the defense on this team. That's, I think, a big deficit. I think that they, and this is why I don't love the idea of a Carlson reunion. Um, he's not terrible in his own zone, like he was his first four or five years. But he's not a solution for a team that's this um, porous. I guess we'll call it porous, and be really, really generous uh, in their own zone. They've they've sent Nikita Zaitsev down to uh, the AHL. So at the moment they have Hamonic, Zub, Holden, Jacob uh, Bernard, Docker, Jake Sanderson, Eric Brandstrom, and Jacob Larson. Because, yep, their number one defenseman, Thomas Shabbat, is <clears throat> on injured reserve. Last I, last I saw, he's week to week or at least a week away with a concussion, yeah. Zub, I thought, was out as well. He is. Um, well, Norris is out. Zub is back, I believe. Okay. This uh, defense doesn't wow me. I haven't seen enough of Bernard Docker to make a decision on him yet. Sanderson... Bernard Docker. I'm sorry. Sanderson's a rookie this year, if I'm not mistaken. He is 20 years old. Yeah. Uh, Brandstrom is young. I mean, that's what that's what we've been talking about for the last few seasons. Is that this team did the blow? They they did the earth shattering kaboom. They've got a lot of youth on this team, uh, but they haven't done enough in this defensive section. And I'm just nervous that they're turning into another Toronto. They they stocking up on guys. I don't know that they're that bad uh, in terms of over reliance on 
high-powered offense. I didn't say they were that bad. I said it worries me that they're getting there. But I think they've done a better job of drafting and at least attempting to acquire viable defensemen. Well, yes, they did draft Thomas Shabbat, and they did draft Jake Sanderson. Uh, Wait, Jake Sanderson, was he the one he was acquired? No, they did draft him. They drafted Bernard Duck. Yes, they are actually making attempts at drafting top-tier defense. I get it. And, but I just I get worried that they that they're focusing too much on the t- on on the, on the on the forwards, and they've got to do something about the goaltending. Cam Talbot's not a long term solution at thirty five. Anton Forsberg has not shown me anything from his time with Chicago and here that he can hold the number one position. They need to do something about that crease area. They do. Um, Lassie Thompson is another high-end uh, defenseman they've drafted. Uh, first or first round pick, 19th in 19, uh, Finnish defenseman. Oh, okay. Um, he got into 16 games for them last year. You know, I don't know that the trade actually works in reality, but this would be a great place. For Brandon Carlo to land as as an on ice mentor, as a defensive defenseman, I wouldn't necessarily want to be playing against him, you know, six times a season. Yeah, but I'm not is, wild about that. But okay. But in terms of a team that could use his talent and might be willing to pay for him. Uh, might be willing to take him without having to uh, take anything, any cap hit back. That's uh, that's an interest that the more I think about that, I think that that's a <clears throat> arguably one of the best solutions you could come up with for what's what to do with the Bruins blue line. If you're actually will, if you're actually going to make the attempt to move someone off of it. I would be happier trading forwards uh, because I think the bottom six of the Bruins is more replaceable than any of the defensemen. But that's that's an argument for a different day. Because they do have over four million in cap space. Yes, that's with Shabbat on injured reserve right now and Norris on injured reserve. So maybe they won't be able to do much uh, in terms of uh, adding without subtracting, but going to be an interesting. It's going to be an interesting month or two navigating the cap uh, for a lot of teams. Yes, a lot of teams. And oh. Dream line mates, you had found before uh, we before we kicked off. Oh yes, uh, dream dream line mates. This is interesting little tidbit. Just trying to figure out. Uh, they were. This is November 11th, so it's a little bit ago. But I I just fell apart. I, I just fell upon this on on Twitter and dove into it a little bit deeper. Um, 
if Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin had to share a line because they're in, they're extricably linked. I mean, they're where one goes, the other one's going to go. They're both going into the hall. Yes, I get. Um, TNT analyst Tariq Al Bashir asked the question of Ovechkin prior to a game. Um, if he and Crosby were on the same team and were to share a line, who would the third line mate be? Before giving his own answer, he said that he thought Crosby might pick Mario Lemieux. Which, by the way, just to say, Crosby confirmed that that's the right answer. That's how well they know each other. (laughs) It also worries me that at his age, he's still kissing the owner's butt, but more on that in a moment. But then then Ovechkin actually gave his answer, which is a lot more intriguing. And I know you like this one. I like the answer. It's not the answer I would have given. It's not the answer I was I was expecting at all. Um, he said that he said that if he and Crosby were on a line, he would want the other line mate to be Donald Brashear. And his his explanation is. <clears throat> If we play together, I'd probably take Brash, Donald Brashear. We need some protection. We need some freedom out there. In his day, Brashear was looked at as one of the meanest men with 2,634 penalty minutes in 16 years in the league. 15th overall in league history. You think that offers enough protection for him? <laughs> and I do. I love the answer. Um. I probably would have gone Jerome McGinley or Marty St. Louis. That's, see, that's the type of player I was thinking of. But it does make a lot of sense because, let's be honest, neither Sidney Crosby nor Alex Ovechkin are good fighters. And you pointed that out to me. And, and like I said, my one reference point, it always goes back to the Svechnikov one-punch knockout. But as you said, yes, Svechnikov not really a fighter in his own right either. And I think he picked well above his fighting weight when he decided to go after Ovi. <laughs> well, Ovechkin is physically a monster. He just doesn't have overall the killer instinct to be a good fighter. No, he can hit. I mean, he, he throws his body around on the ice. He can hit. Like in like an average barroom brawl, yeah, he's he's going to hurt a few people. But – he's going to run into someone who knows how to fight and get his clock cleaned. Fair enough. Um, an interesting, an interesting selection. And I don't recognize the name all that much, but the, the writer of this article, Nick Corvat does say that if Crosby were to follow Ovechkin's path of thought by taking a protector, he may have looked toward Yarko Rutu. Fortunately, I did not look up Yarko, but I'm guessing that he's fairly physical as well. See, I, 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 I was thinking more along the lines of a, a type of player like an Aginla, who actually was both physical and yet still offensive minded or 200 foot minded. I mean, it. it it is a little odd that neither one of them picked Patrice Bergeron, but I guess I could see not wanting to be overshadowed by the five-time Selkie Award winner. I think the, the thing that surprises and me most true. is 
I think the thing that surprises me most is that he picked his owner. It just looks so bad that he picked the boss. What's the uh, what's the word that people were using for a couple of years? Cringe. Yeah. yeah. I just look so bad that you picked the boss. I, I understand Mario. Yes. Very talented. Second, you know, Gretzky did, you know, I picked somebody else though. I mean, it just, it's just not a good look to me and I could be entirely wrong. It just, to me, it's not a good look. It's not. It's not that there's anything wrong with Mario as a player. No, that's what I'm trying to say. I just. It's. it's I mean, if it's if it's a absolute dream. Yuri Curry or Timu Solani or Wayne Gretzky, although that might tick Mario off. Um, <laughs> Again, we're worried about the boss. Again. <laughs> but there's been so many other, you know, presumably Crosby at center. Ovechkin at left wing. There's been a ton of good right wings. Yes. Um, I mean, from current players, you could pick David Pasternak or Patrick Kane, or um, if you're going to let someone else play center, Joe Thornton or Adam Oates or <sighs> completely acceptable answers. Um, you could go with you could go with one of the super. You could go with Mike Bossy or something, someone like that as as your third as well. It's and don't forget that you know Ovechkin played right wing for a couple of seasons, so you could slide. There's a, there's more than a few left wingers you could slide in there. But yeah, I thought that was a little tiny bit cringy. <laughs> little tiny bit cringy. Okay. Oh, and I would have been wrong. Anything else? I think we've covered everything. I did want to mention, because we didn't get a chance to mention it, um, since we mentioned milestones, it just occurred to me we didn't throw it up on the list. Uh, Boston Bruin defenseman Jakob Zaboral scored his first goal of the season. I think we mentioned it last week. If we didn't, I apologize. But Jakob Zaboral scored his first goal. His first goal was a Bruin, and he is the first defenseman, I believe it was, to score for his first goal to be a game winner, and the last time that a Bruin player's first goal as a game winner was a guy by the name of Tyler Randell. I don't know if you remember him. We saw him I at do. development camp. Um. The thing that I and this is why I just made the comment that, oh, I was wrong, because I could have sworn that he wore number 66 and I was going to make a whole thing about how they got up in arms about uh, Ho Sang wearing number 66. But nobody ever made a nobody ever said a word when Randell wore it, but he actually wore 64. So he must have worn 66 either in the minors or as a development camp number. Mm-hmm. I do remember him in 66. but. Um, but yeah, congratulations to Zaboro. If we didn't mention it last week, I apologize. I don't remember exactly when it was scored, but it was scored. So to correct the event, to correct the error, there it is. Congratulations, Jacob. Jacob. Awesome. In that case, ladies and gentlemen, this is where we leave you. 
Have a great week. Uh, tune in for the milestones that we're expecting out of Bergeron and Ovechkin and uh, DeBrusque and Malkin and more. Oh. Uh, and, of course, more John Tortorella in-game interviews. Ah, since we won't see you until afterwards, everybody in continental United States uh, or United States, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, take care and we'll be back.